expectation is the root of all heartache. That's a quote commonly attributed to, anybody know? William Shakespeare. That's what you were going to say. It turns out, though, it isn't from William Shakespeare. And there is a website dedicated to all of the things that William Shakespeare never said. And there are some real Shakespeare geeks out there. In fact, one of them is um, blog.nerdyshakespearegeek or something.com. And you can learn a little bit about some of the things that are said uh, that really didn't come from Shakespeare at all. But apparently the closest thing he ever wrote to that is oft expectation fails and most oft there where most it promises. So kind of the same thing. All expectation does is lead to heartache. And somebody has said that about getting a dog. You are planning a heartache when you get a dog. They didn't say that about cats, Debbie, but just about (laughs) dogs. It is a planned heartache. Whichever quote you go with, the truth here is that expectations often are, I I should say quite often are, disappointing. The story that Jesus told of a prodigal son is full of expectations, isn't it? There is the expectation the father has for his sons. The expectation the sons have of the father. The expectation of the prodigal son's new friends. It's a lot like winning the lottery and all of a sudden you are everybody's friend, right? By the way, has anybody won the lottery? Okay, we'll, we'll pass the offering basket or baskets again here in a little bit. But all of a sudden he has these friends and there are the expectations that these family and friends that probably he has not seen in a long time or perhaps not even ever met are now wanting to have part of what he has. There are the expectations the son has of how life will be when he has money. Before he goes and asks his father for his share of the inheritance, which, by the way, is essentially saying to his father, you're as good as dead. I want you to treat me like you are not even here and that you don't need this anymore. And so he asks for that part of his inheritance. And so those expectations that are there, the expectation the son has about his punishment when he returns home, the expectations of the brother about how his older brother or his younger brother should or shouldn't be treated by his father, and other expectations that you might find in this perennial story with life lessons aplenty. And isn't it amazing that we keep telling this story over and over again and how it finds its way even in uh, songs like Desperado and in movies and in, in countless other kinds of stories that relate back to it. But also realizing these expectations are exceeded in various ways. But out of all of these expectations, one stands out the most. The son's expectation about his father's response to his bad choices and his resulting downward spiral into shame. 
The son already had his speech worked out as he was making his way back to his father. You get that sense? It's a, it's a long road back to his dad. He's been feeding swine, something that a good Jew would not do. But this is what his life has come to. He has no money left. He has no integrity left. All he has is shame. And he decides to go back to his father. And he already knew his father would treat him in a particular kind of way. And his expectations were based on what he knew of how forgiveness worked. I mean, he knew this growing up. He could see how his father had related to him, perhaps in the past. Or maybe he knew how he would treat someone who had wronged him. And certainly it wouldn't be with forgiveness. It would be with anger. It would be with all kinds of of indignation or vengeance. And he knew he deserved what his father would do to him. But he must have known something about the love that his father had for him. Some expectation of how this love might be enough to at least allow him to come home, even if it is just to become a servant for his father. This prodigal son, however, was in for a wonderful surprise. Even with all of those expectations, this would be a surprise that would preempt his groveling and his plea for mercy. He didn't get what he expected, but more than he expected. More of everything that he didn't expect. His father waiting for him to come home. And just get this picture in your mind. And I think there is an image here of, and there are all kinds of great and beautiful paintings that portray what was going on in that moment. Some have described it as God out on the front porch, sitting in a rocking chair, waiting and waiting and waiting for his son to come home. Everybody else in the family thought, he's not coming back. But the father is there, waiting. And then running to him with arms open wide. He doesn't just sit back and wait for his son to come give him this great confession or to um, plea for his mercy. He doesn't do that at all. He runs with arms open wide, with words of welcome, with the call for a party, with the best of food, with new clothes and new shoes. Probably the most famous painting of the, uh, or I think the most popular painting of the prodigal son is one that Henry Nouwen saw uh, as as he was in a museum in St. Petersburg in Russia. As he looked at that painting, He kept thinking and going through a radical transformation of his own as he noticed different things about the son. And one of those things is how one shoe is completely worn out and falling off. His bare foot exposed and in the other shoe you see that it's about gone. And what the father does is says, bring him some new shoes. Bring him some new clothes. We're going to celebrate, but he's got to be taken care of. But all of these other over-the-top expressions of his unconditional love for his son, who would come home. 
The father's response must have come as a real twist in the story for the people who had gathered around Jesus that day. I mean, they had expectations as well. The people who would hear Jesus tell stories had certain expectations for how those stories would end up. And they were always getting surprised by what Jesus had to say. Like you and me, they were probably thinking to themselves about how much trouble the son was going to be in when he got back home. Of what they would do to him if they were the father. Maybe they were elbowing each other and and saying, well, you know, if that were my son, this is what I would do. And they were all probably agreeing about what they could do. I mean, who could blame them for thinking this way? Given all of the selfishness, the ingratitude, the irresponsibility, and the foolishness of this son. In their minds and in ours, he really shouldn't have bothered coming home after what he did. Have you ever felt that way? You're thinking, I just probably shouldn't go home tonight. My dad is going to get me. My mom. I'm going to get in big trouble when I go home. And kids, sometimes that probably is the best thing for you to do. But he realized that he could go home. And they were probably thinking... uh, If he ever did come home, his arrival would not have been met with words and gestures of gratitude and thanksgiving. That there would be shame and an indignation or a quick trip to the woodshed. I mean, isn't that what we see in the older brother's expectation of his father? What must have shocked them and probably shocks us still today is not the older brother's reaction. And that's a whole different story, isn't it? The older brother. And I I think um, that was depicted well here. That the older brother doesn't care for what he sees going on. There is that anger. There is that sense of bitterness that is there from the older brother. Because it's the reckless approach of forgiveness that the father shows to the son. It's just completely irresponsible, he thinks, for his father to care for him after what he's done, thinking he would never treat him that way. I mean, he's just enabling this younger brother's sinful lifestyle. He's rewarding him with a party and gifts that he certainly didn't deserve or have any more need of. And that's what he concluded about his brother. And that's what we conclude as well. We wonder about the father's parenting skills. I mean, where is the tough love, right? Didn't the father know about tough love? You've got to have boundaries and sharp edges. You love them, but you don't let them get away with all of this stuff. He let him off the hook. So they all thought. Jesus expanded their understanding of God's forgiveness that day. And we are the crowd hearing this story today, one much in need of having our own understanding expanded, right? Our understanding of God's amazing, over-the-top forgiveness. You probably do understand that God loves you, or you wouldn't be here today. I mean, unless you came to have somebody beat up on you and yell at you, which I can do, I can bang on this a little bit, 
and shout and tell you how bad you are. No, I can't do that. Y'all aren't that bad, are you? I would have to say it to myself as well. But that's not why you're here. I think you're here because you realize, even if it is not much of a feeling that you're having in this moment, in this day, that God somewhere along the line has loved you in such a way that you welcome God's presence and you welcome being with God's people on a Sunday morning. You probably wouldn't have taken the time to be here if not. But do you understand to the point of letting this love change your life? Have you allowed it to sink into the point where there is transformation in your life? Do you know that God never wants you to stop understanding that kind of love? He never stops waiting for you to come back home. That God isn't going to take you to the woodshed. That God isn't going to make you pay for the things that you have done or left undone. Whether that's to yourself or to other people. Do you really understand that? I don't think most of us do. We may say we do, but do do we really feel like it? Do we treat ourselves in such a way that we understand that? That God does love us, period, no matter what. And do we allow that amazing transformation to be there in our life? And do we share it with other people? Well, that's what we are to know as we hear this story again today, that God exceeds our expectations of forgiveness. And why is that important for us to know? Maybe it's because we have such normal expectations for God. I mean, do you have normal expectations for God? Because God's reality is anything but normal. Certainly the love that we know that we are able to share or not share with each other, it exceeds that completely. But maybe the reason that we need to hear this is because we so easily make God into our own image, attributing to God the characteristics and actions that we have and we know. A fancy way of describing that is anthropomorphism. And even if you don't know how to spell that word, and I don't either, It's probably something that you do. You are attributing to God human characteristics and emotions and conditions. And if you're doing that, and that's all you're doing, then you are making an image of God. And you know how God feels about images and idols. Jesus comes to change that. Jesus comes to say, You don't need to do that any longer because when you look at me, you see clearly what God is all about. And that's what Jesus was doing with this story. But maybe we need this story because we have such a hard time forgiving ourselves, not believing that we are forgivable, that we are somehow an exception to God's forgiveness and grace. 
It could also be that we are hearing this story because we actually don't understand unconditional love. And consequently, we can't believe it really does exist for us. But maybe we need to hear this again because we are so much like the resentful bitterness of the older brother that we need to spend more time in the lavish love of the Father's love. We all have our reasons for hearing this today. But what is yours? Why does God have you here today to hear this story? It was great to hear Desperado this morning. A familiar song about such a familiar character that we all know in ourselves, don't we? We all know the prodigal. Maybe it was a long time ago. Maybe it was this week. But we know what it's like to be the prodigal. Have you really ever listened to the end of this song? Desperado, why don't you come to your senses? Come down from your fences. Open the gate. It may be raining, but there's a rainbow above you. You better let somebody love you. You better let somebody love you before it's too late. The end of the song doesn't actually have to be the end for the desperado. Just like the end of your wayward path doesn't have to be your dead end. The message of Jesus here is that somebody does love you. Did you hear that? Somebody does love you. Are you willing to come home and let God